Oh, yeah. That's all right. Fly guy. You ever read any of those books? Sounds like a book. Yeah. <laughs> it is a book. Yeah, it's a series. A Sounds like we need to write that. There's a whole series. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I read it to my kids. Okay. So we'll kick it off. Uh, welcome to episode three of Arms Link Leadership Podcast. I have with me Chris Meredith. Hello. Rick Broomfield. And Derek LaRivier. Hi. So... Uh, I appreciate you guys listening to the first two, and uh, this third one, we're going to be talking about what we always talk about, what we're reading, and how we're applying it, and uh, et cetera. Yeah. So. uh, You never said your name, though. Oh, I'm (laughs) terrible at that. Christopher Bennett. Yeah. Is myself. You're not terrible. You're getting better. Yeah. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Yeah. Um, I'm surrounding myself with people that remind me constantly. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's good. So in Route 66, uh, Bible study on Wednesday nights, we go around and we share highs and lows. So a high and a low and then a, a challenge for the coming week. And we're always supposed to say our name before we begin. And almost every single week I forget and somebody reminds me. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, it's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So uh, Rick, what are you reading? Uh, I finished um, Never Eat Alone, or, or I'm done with it. I've read it mm-hmm. a couple times. Um, <clears throat> so I haven't really read much. You know, that's why it's a wing and a prayer. <laughs> um, but I, so I, I usually, like whenever I, I talk about what I learned, mm-hmm. I share like the struggle. So... Instead, today I want to talk about like just some victories that I had, oh, you know, cool. throughout this process. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a pretty good relationship going with a, a pretty much an, a neighbor that started. That relationship probably started earlier than I started reading the book, but um, you know, so I've been, you know, I meet this uh, guy once a week just for lunch. Yeah. And uh, so that's something that's going pretty good. I'm not sure. <laughs> we we have a fifth guest. I'm sorry, I, I got to interrupt, Rick. Uh, his name is Mr. Fly, <clears throat> and uh, he, he's he's quite elusive, and he really wants to be part of it. So yeah, he is. we need some string. <laughs> he comes into my personal space. He's toast. So I'm sorry, Rick. No, no problem. <laughs> uh, so that one's going pretty good. Um, I reached out to another neighbor. Well, you know, just in passing, you know, say uh, let's go get some coffee or something sometime, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, you know, but. This is a neighbor I've known for a while, mm-hmm. and um, so you know nothing's really came from of it. But you know that's uh, so I never really talked to him much before. But here recently, I've talked to him like three times, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I expect we'll go have some coffee at some point, and then we're meeting. Uh, my wife and I are meeting a couple from church on Saturday for the first time, so. So those are victories. Yeah. I mean, those are uh, like things that are happening, right? you know, from, um, you know, uh, the influence of the book, just, uh, listen to the book and, Mm -hmm. um, taking action. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess uh, like in the house, you know, with the wife and the kids, that would be another, uh, thing that's going on. We're spending a lot more quality time together. Like we're, you know, uh, focused effort to. Um, you know, talk and, you know, spend a lot of time playing four square, uh, throwing the football. Um, Jen and I have been walking um, quite a bit. Um, so just, you know, just these opportunities, you know, it, it's got me thinking, you know, okay, this is an opportunity to go um, have a, you know, time to, you know, build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just, you know, some victories that, have been occurring. I like what you That's said awesome. there, building. Build a relationship. You have to build it. And building is an action. It's, it's something you have to go do. It don't just happen. You have to invest time and effort to do those things. And, and most people just kind of let you know, things go throughout the day and just what happens, happens. There's no plan. There's no intentionality. So I like how you're being intentional with it. That's and it was a lot from the book, right? Never eat alone. He was, he was intentionally building specific relationships. And that's a big lesson I got out of it when I read the book. 
You don't just fall into the relationships, you know. Sometimes you do. You have neighbors and people you go to work with, but I think it's important that you are intentional in who you invest in. And obviously your family is huge. That's a big piece of it. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too. You said the people you work with and your neighbors, um, we think of those as being kind of automatic, um, but we can also be intentional with those things. Like if, if we're not in a good work environment, we can change that. If we're not living in a neighborhood where um, we, we really want to be, um, and, and we don't, we want um, different neighbors that are doing different things, and we can intentionally move somewhere else, whether that's another neighborhood in the same city, a different city, a different state, a different country. Um, a lot of times we confine ourselves to thinking that, uh, you know, we are where we are, and that can't really change. Um, but I spent my life moving around a lot, so we never stayed in one place for more than a year or two. My dad was, uh, in the Coast Guard and then a contractor for the Navy. So we lived in Virginia, Louisiana, DC, Spain, Iceland, and constantly moved. So my, uh, perception of where you live is a little bit different than, than a lot of people. So, uh, Keith Ferrazzi's book, Never Eat Alone, when he talks about, like if if he only had a hundred dollars, what would he do with it? Do you remember that, Ray? Um, and he was like, "Yeah, I would spend that hundred dollars and go to the nicest restaurant in the area, so that I will meet the people that live in that, or not live in that, or, or eating at that restaurant." Um, because he knew that that would open himself up to a job opportunity or whatever. Um, but that's not not how we automatically think. We usually think, oh, I have $100. I really need to stretch it out for as long as possible. Um, but sometimes that scarcity mindset can um, make it look, make it so you have to stretch it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard something similar. There was a guy who I was listening to, um, not in a book, but he was mentioning, you know, what would you invest in if you had $10,000 and you had to be like a millionaire by the end of the year? Mm-hmm. You had 10000 to start. What would you invest in? And, and you know, this, this guy does like kind of a man on the street thing. He does a lot of different um, interviews and asks the same question. And this guy's answer was, I would spend it on really nice clothes, taking care of myself, and probably get into like a nice car so I could go make really good impressions and get a really good job and then, you know, start working basically. Yeah. And try to snowball just, from just, there. Yeah, because yeah. he's like, it'll come back like a lot, you know, if you do that. Mm-hmm. Which, as you can see, I completely bought into and, <laughs> you know, sweat clothes <laughs> that I'm wearing today. But well, you elevate it with the name there, Cape Cod. There, yeah, there's that's right. Lot, there's a lot that's that right. goes into yeah. the name. So. It doesn't look like a cheap sweat top hoodie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you spent some money on it. <laughs> so my grandmother bought me this for Christmas like three years ago. <laughs> oh wow, <That's, laughs> she spent some money on it. Thanks, thanks, Nana. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I think like that scarcity mindset, like yeah. if you have like a, if you think about, okay, for me, so a lot of times in the neighborhood, I walk around my neighborhood a lot, but a lot of times I'm like, Hey, how you doing? You know, keep walking, got my headphones on and, um, you know, I'm in kind of in a hurry You know, I'm like, I don't have time to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. But what I've been doing, the reason I had uh, three conversations in the past month with this one neighbor is I'm not in a hurry. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm going to stop and I'm going to, I'm on his side of the, his side of the sidewalk and I'm going to just stop and, you know, see what happens. Yeah. You know, but, um, um, you know, I, I've always, I've always had like that scarcity mindset. Mm. Like I got to hurry. I've got to hurry. I got to get, get this done, get to the next thing. You know, what's next, what's next yeah. instead of just being okay with, you know, uh, what I've got Yeah. and just, um, you know, being, you know, just trying, you know, it's really just living in the moment, you know, instead of, uh, you know, always like thinking about the future, yeah. you know, staying in the moment, uh, whatever happens, um, enjoy that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to explain this. I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job, but no, no you're, you're doing are. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, 
maybe just to piggyback off that a little bit, I feel like if you're always rushing around, you know, there's no time to like stop and build community, which is just such a huge factor. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think we talked last time about how so many people don't have friends, right? Was that you that mentioned that the percentages? Yes. That's from yeah. divine direction was talking about how most people don't have a one real friend that they can open up to, but they got 2000 social media friends who yeah. they can't share with. Yeah. Yeah. Their true heart, you know, what they're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think by slowing down, that really opens up, you know, the opportunity to grow your, you know, grow your friend network, grow your community. Yeah. Make connections, something that's going to, you know, be meaningful. Social media is not really like the comment section. That's a, yeah. it's a no zone for me, <laughs> but. <laughs> um what what I started doing was trying to build in margin, so um, I think it's something my wife probably, Emmy, had kind of suggested in a way. Um, I, I like to uh, build my day and have you know just enough time to do this and then just enough time to do that and go from place to place to place to place, and it make it gives me a feeling of being busy and getting things done. Um, but what, what it wasn't doing was giving me opportunity to, you know, stop and talk to somebody or like, you know, have those moments that are just, uh, spontaneous. And so I started building margin in there. So instead of, you know, at nine o'clock, I have this appointment from nine to 11 and then the next appointment is just enough time to drive from that place to that place. But, you know, build, you know, 30 minutes or an hour in between things to to have that it's almost like scheduled spontaneity um you know instead of like giving myself 30 minutes for a walk give myself an hour for a walk um even though i might not be walking for 30 minutes i might be talking to somebody for 30 minutes and walking for 30 minutes so that that's what i've been trying to do i'm not the greatest at it still but um it's definitely helped um and also going back to scarcity mindset, it reminds me, I, I, I'm not remembering which book it came from, but maybe you guys will remember it. Chris, you might remember it. The, the guy that went on a, a ship, I think it was like from Europe to America, and he had saved all of his money to buy this ticket to go to America. And so he didn't have enough for food. He just had enough for this ticket and he wanted to go to America so bad. So he got on the ship and he knew that he only had like he had this, I don't know, this like bread or like a, a loaf of bread or something that he, he knew he could kind of stretch it out and have just enough uh, food to make it uh, on the voyage. And so everybody was, you know, rich and wealthy and and everything. And, you know, they're all, you know, eating and having a good time. And he's watching all this and he's just kind of keeping to himself sitting in the corner, you know, eating his, his food or whatever. And this goes on for days and days and days. And he just really keeps to himself because he doesn't want everybody to know kind of the situation he's in and everything. He's a little bit ashamed of it. Um, and the last day, um, somebody came up to him and started talking to him and, uh, they noticed that he was just nibbling on this little, uh, piece of crust. And they said, are you going to eat with everybody else? And he said, no, I can't afford it. And they said, um, you can't afford it. It's, it's all included. All the food on Mm. the ship is like, it's all you can eat. (laughs) And so his scarcity mindset kept him away from the opportunity that he had paid for with his ticket. But uh, he didn't, he didn't believe it, that, that he was part of the, the other group and he kept himself and he didn't talk to anybody. So had he talked to people and kind of put himself out there day one, um, even though he might've been eating his crust of a bread, just talking to people, he probably would have discovered it the first day or two. So I feel like that relates to, to never eat alone and, and that mindset of scarcity versus uh, a mindset of abundance. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy to think about getting on a ship like that and not with no plans to eat and just talking to one person, you know, changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about, you know, taking the time and building community too. Right. Like 
think that's a really good point, but. Well, well, Chris, what do you read? <laughs> I was waiting for the cue. Uh, <laughs> so Divine Direction by Craig Rochelle is the book. I'm, uh, I finished it, actually, but I wanted to stay here and just kind of yeah. dive a little deeper into it because just the title of the book had me thinking uh, direction, divine, what is divine, and what's, you know, what does it take to go in a direction? And, and it's, you know, we can go right past that those words without thinking about it sometimes. And. But what does it really mean? It really means you're you're being given uh, a path to follow, a, a place to go, uh, a journey, a map. Those are the types of things I thought about. And divine, obviously, referring to God, referring to Christ. Uh, Craig is a pastor, so obviously you're not surprised with that. So where do you get this divine from? Where does it come from? And I was just thinking about kind of going back to selecting who you're around and how important that is. And I've tried to do a little bit better job of being around other Christians that are trying to grow and, and you know, we're going through the same journey and learning from each other, getting uh, lifted up spiritually, you know, those types of things. And, and whether it's going to a gym that, you know, the YMCA for me has always been my gym because it's young men's Christian organization, but I don't know that there's there was other opportunities to go other places and now I found a place that's their whole mission is to bring people to Christ through fitness. And so every time I go it's, it's the that same message. I get that. I get it from reading the Bible. Everyone, you know, pretty much if you were to, where do you get the divine from? Well, Bible, prayer, okay. Going to church, being around other Christians, but there's other places in the world in your life where you can just keep immersing yourself more and more each time. Yeah. And you know, the, the people in your neighborhood, the people at work, you know, how are you looking for ways intentionally of building you know, whatever it is? You know, if you want to be a Christian, you need to hang around Christian people. You need to get that feedback and that, you know, be able to uh, have that relationship. If you want to be an uh, investor, you need to be around investors. If you want to be around people that develop. You got to be around people that want to develop, not people that are trying to destroy their lives with, you know, whether, whatever it is. So mm -hmm. just, you know, that, that whole idea and, and just kind of getting, you know, well, where do you get this from? Well, it doesn't just come magically. It's not magic. You have to work on it. You have to put forth effort and you have to be listening uh, to get the direction that you're supposed to go. And Surprisingly, it's it can be in the littlest things. You know, that was the other thing from is these little decisions is what matters. And I was thinking about when you were talking about the the bread. I I got to spend the day with my kids yesterday at school as uh, watchdogs, what they call it. So I just go, I just hang out at school and I kind of help out teachers and such. And at one point, they had this all these cookies out in the the lounge. They were Oreo cookies. They were so good. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to stay away from them as best I could. But at one point, I got a bag of them, and I was kind of thinking, no, I'll just eat them. But I went out to the playground at one point, and my daughter asked me for one, so I gave her one. And then, of course, everyone else saw it. And, you know, it just it comes down to that, you know, I basically gave some more to her to give to her friends. Mm -hmm. So it allowed her to kind of be the hero, <laughs> is what I was thinking. Uh, but it also reminded me that same situation and with the bread is just like the story where of the talents in the Bible. It talks about, you know, each person got these talents. One of them buried it in the dirt and it didn't grow at all. The master comes back. And he's upset because you didn't even invest it. You know, he didn't grow it at all. He just saved it out of scarcity, out of fear. And then everyone else kind of grew theirs in certain in their own ways, but I just thought that was huge. That um, you've got to be able to you don't hide your your talents. You got to go out and make something happen with it. Grow whatever you have, no matter how small or how large you're expected to grow. So it's it's a principle that just carries forward back to the divine direction. I mean, that's the direction you're you're supposed to go is is growing these talents and not being scared, not being afraid, but sharing those. Uh, and growing, so yeah. What, what did he say when he came when the master came back about? Uh, he said, 
I didn't want to lose it. Right. And I know you're a hard master, so I buried it. So his excuse was he didn't want to lose it. He wanted to just preserve what he had so he could give it back to him. And, and he said, well, you, you could have just given it to the bankers and at least got a little bit of interest off of it. Um, so he, he I, didn't he call him lazy? I think he did. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we are lazy out of fear or fearful out of laziness. I'm not sure which, which comes first. Um, but the, the two are intertwined. And, and when we have a lot of fear, we can just say, eh, I'm just not going to do it because I, I might, uh, I might mess up, mm-hmm. you know, I'm curious what kind of insight that gives you, like when it comes to your hedge fund, yeah. like, what is that? How does that play out? Scared the- money doesn't make money. Yeah. And that's a, <laughs> something I've come up with. I, I thought you said scared bunny doesn't yeah. make oh, money. Scared money. But for, for a second, I was like, yeah, I could that's, see. That's it. also yeah. true. Though. Scared, scared bunny rabbits. isn't going to make, <laughs> make any money. Really. Scared bunnies don't eat either. <laughs> so, I mean, it's true though, right? Scared like, money doesn't make money. You have to put risk calculated with you know whatever you've got set up. You have yeah. to put it on the table yeah. and risk it to make the money. And when you're afraid, yeah. right now is a great example. Right now, you the average person has a choice. They can be in a mutual fund that is all long or be in cash. That's what most people's 401ks, most, people, most people's mutual funds, that's what they offer. Or you being bonds, and how good are those? Not very good either. So you're really stuck. But there are other places to go where you can make money on the way down. And that's one thing I message I always try to get out to people is you've got to be able to learn how to do this or at least or look for people who can help you when the market is flat and when it's down you've got to be able to make both because i think we're going into a recession and, and a lot of people think we're already there some say in six months but the last time we had a serious recession a real one was 2008 and that thing lasted like five years mm-hmm. five years where if you you know at the top it took five years to get back to that I only have five years for my money just to sit. It needs to be growing. It can be, it can be growing that whole time yeah. if you know what to do. Yeah. So scared money doesn't make money. So you can't be scared right now. You have to see the positive. You have to see this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to make money on the way down. It's also an opportunity when it bottoms to get into some great positions that you may never see again. So you have to think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually this morning earlier about recession. And when people hear recession, what they do is they they hold on to their money. They hold on to it. They're they're like that guy that's like, I've got this talent. I don't want to lose it, so I'm going to bury it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what they do. But I was thinking about this morning during a recession when things are down. You know, some people are saying we'll be in a recession for another six months. Somebody says two years, three years, five years. What I hear is you've got a year, six months, two years, three years, five years to average in and, and buy shares of companies at the lowest price that they will be in the next 20 years, not, you know, it's, it's the, the worst time to buy it. It's really should be the best time to buy it. But when you think about those three guys with the talents, I think of, the one guy is watching the news all the time. He's like, oh, I could lose this money, so I'm not going to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. The other two guys, maybe it was a recession. They had famines and stuff all the time back then. So the other two guys are like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, invest it and do something with it. And they doubled and tripled, you know, what they put into it. So mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of times, you know, looking for opportunities. So like with your hedge fund, you see things going down, and you say, oh, I can, I can invest in this way and and earn earn income when things are sideways i can invest in this way and earn income when things mm-hmm. are going back up i can invest in this way and go up it's like always looking for an opportunity when everybody else sees disaster right yeah yeah that's exactly right and it's not like i'm not afraid because there's fear with it there's fear of job loss there's fear of uh, crime, there's all kinds of fear, but 
It's yeah. just, just, it's just kind of like, well, I know there's one place I can go to have an opportunity, yeah. and I'm going to take advantage of that. Yeah. So it's, it's just asking yourself a question: Where's the opportunity? Mm-hmm. There's always an opportunity somewhere mm-hmm. in something. It doesn't have to be investing. It can be a job opportunity. I mean, where's the job openings right now? Yeah. Where are they? I mean, where's the real estate openings? Uh, you talked about moving. Maybe you need to move. Mm-hmm. Get out of the mindset of you have to stay in the small town or you have to stay in the, te- the city you've always lived in. They may not be the best place. you got to go to the place where the opportunities are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That takes a lot of courage to you know invest that way. Uh, I know like in the military, for example, the way they define bravery and courage has a lot of impact on what kind of award you get, right? So mm-hmm. bravery is when you do something that is scary, but you just do it and you kind of do it in like a fearless way. Whereas courage is when you're scared and then you do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I, take, I think that takes a lot of courage to do that, mm-hmm. to have that like fear, when it, especially with money. Because people... I mean, that can that fear gets crippling, right? Under this like fiat system that we have here, it's yeah. it's. I mean, that, there's a lot of pressure to you know, if, if you mess up, you're. I mean, you're not gonna be able to pay your bills. You're not. You can be homeless. Yeah. Could be. You know. Yeah. But if you if you know what you're doing, you're educated, which I, you know, obviously you are, and you're able to overcome that fear and make the right moves at the right time. That's such a huge possibility for upside. Yeah, I think you hit it right. I mean, you can't just close your eyes and jump. It's mm-hmm. calculated. There's yeah. a system. There's a proven system that's you've mastered, yeah. and you're leaning on it into yeah. the fear mm-hmm. and and utilizing it. Yeah, it's kind of like skydiving, right? Like we know parachutes work. We know, you know, like this. It's people been doing it for a really long time. It's a proven thing. It's pretty safe. You know, you can do it, but it's still scary. Mm-hmm. And you still have to overcome that fear and jump out of the plane. So yeah, for me it's risk reward. Yeah. yeah, I'm not jumping out of the plane, even though I know those things, and I'm not going to try to confront it because it's not worth it yeah. to me. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's you know, where's my reward? Well, I bet I jumped out of an airplane, mm-hmm. and I get to tell the story, but <laughs> that's not enough for me. I need more than that. You know, with yeah. with my fund, it's more of well, this is financial freedom. This is uh, generational wealth for my family, for other families. And so it's worth the risk. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do it. So it's, again, calculation is, is critical in these, in these types of situations. Yeah. Also, like the level of risk that you take is important to think about. So like level of risk combined with strategies that have been proven and, and things like that. So when you're talking about skydiving, I was reminded of the guy that um, figured out like, you know, parachuting was possible, right? And so he had this vision of being able to parachute. So he created his version of a parachute. And um, instead of jumping off, you know, uh, with some sort of bungee connected or jumping off of 10 feet or 20 feet, he goes to the top of the Eiffel Tower and jumps for the first time ever testing it. And it didn't go well. And so... You know, it's different than jumping out of a perfectly good airplane right now after practicing, mm-hmm. learning about the parachutes. The parachute has been proven, you know, to work many, many times. And they don't let you parachute by yourself at first, usually. You, you have to go tandem with somebody. So you have to go with somebody that's already done it hundreds of times uh, before they even let you do it. So, you know, combining that level of risk with proven strategies or, you know, even semi-proven strategies are much better than, you know, just going to the top and jumping. Just like, I think this will work. Yeah. You know, you got to test it a little bit. Yeah. So that's what you did, right? You, you were testing and I tested for too long, probably four years, five years. You were using paper money Yeah, or fake money. I used paper money for, Three years, my own money for a little bit of my own money, which that's all I had yeah. for a year, and then some more of my old money, and then you know allowed every level, every step was a different level of fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, when and then when you start helping other people with their money, it's a whole different level, yeah. especially when they're you know friends and family. 
Yeah. Uh, Cause they're depending on you. So it's, it's a different level, but that's where you become professional and disciplined and you, yeah. you do the things you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That's how Warren Buffett started. His friends and family just kept coming to him for advice and this and that. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll find, maybe I'll start this fund, you know, mm-hmm. maybe call it Berkshire Hathaway or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just grew and grew and grew, but I'm sure that stress was there in the beginning. Like he's given friends and family advice, but it's, it's hard when you're giving financial advice to others. Yeah. I don't give any advice to anyone. Or not advice, but yeah. Just to my fund, my own fund. But yeah. if they want to, if people want to participate, they can. Right. But I don't tell them what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I, I like the, uh, <clears throat> the, like having rules for my trading mm-hmm. because that, that fear and euphoria, it's, it's always there. Like I've never, I never don't feel it. I'm, mm-hmm. But I recognize it. And, you know, and then, you know, the hope and all that stuff comes in. But then, I'm, you know, I get to realize and I'm like, these rules protect me because I'm a human. I have these feelings and they cloud, you know, they drive me to some action that I don't want to do or they, you know, paralyze me. And then, you know, I just, I just know that I stick to these rules. And even though I have rules, I'm like negotiating in my head. I'm saying, eh, maybe we'll just let this ride a little bit longer, you know, and want to break my rules. And then I, and then I have to say, okay, the rules are here to protect me. I got to just go ahead and do it, even though I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. You know, so for me, rule-based uh, trading, mm-hmm. uh, the rules are just there to protect me from myself. Yeah. You have like, do you, do you have like a gain and loss limits is what you're talking about? Yeah. Gain and loss limits. Um, even like market direction, um, making sure you're in a trend, um, making sure you're in a top group, uh, top industry group. Um, you know, there's several rules, yeah. uh, volume, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the rules. Um, my first couple of years, that's all of my goals were. I had no, um, like return goals. I didn't care about making, I mean, I care about making money, but that wasn't my goal. My goal was uh, control my behavior, follow the rules, no matter what. And there's times I didn't follow the rules and I messed up. So I had to, before I did anything else, as I mastered myself, that's the hardest part of investing. Yeah. Investing is actually not too hard. It's just, it's more about you know, you can value a company, you can do those things and read charts. But if you don't master yourself, you're going to be in trouble because fear and greed will mm-hmm. kill you. Yeah. Super overpowering emotions. Yeah. yeah. It's like playing poker with fake chips versus having something at stake. Mm-hmm. You know? oh, yeah. It's really easy to go all in or just play silly. And, you know, when you're just messing around, but as soon as there's money involved that, yeah. you know, that sense of fear starts to come into play or greed, you know. Biggest thing to me too, like uh, I just finished Psychology of Money a week or two ago, and they were talking about basically like there's all these different strategies and rules, and some people have more rules, some people have less. Um, but one of the biggest things was the ability not to quit. So you see a lot of people they invest, then when it goes down, they're like, oh, "See, I was going to lose money. Hmm. I knew it. I shouldn't have done that." Right. And then they pull it out and then they don't invest again. Or what they usually do is they wait a while to invest again. And then when things are high again and everybody's talking about all the money they made in the stock market, then they start to invest again and then it goes down again and then they lose money again. And mm-hmm. then they're like, see, this isn't for me. It's a scam. Yeah. <laughs> and and they, they pull it out and they put in savings what little they have left. Um, but yeah, basically what he was saying was just time in the market solves lots of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, but most people can't stomach it when it goes down Mm -hmm. and they get euphoria when it goes up and they, a lot of times invest too much when it goes up and zero when it goes down. So, yeah. So Derek, what are you reading? Some book, some book, some book (laughs) by some guy. 
Well, you were reading uh, yeah. um, the Brene Brown book, right? Yeah, I read that. I finished that. And then I was on to, um, I, I don't know, who, who wrote the book for Carnegie? Was it? Oh, I, how, no, how to, how to win, win Friends, friends and, and Influence, influence people. people. Oh, yeah. that was uh, Dale Carnegie, yeah. Okay, yeah, but did he, did he have like a writer? Somebody wrote it for him or something? Or did he write it? No, that was, he uh, wrote I'm it pretty himself. sure he wrote okay. it. Didn't he write that at like the YMCA or something? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 He was teaching of, classes yeah. at the Y. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been reading that. Um, I will, I'll say listening because I've been doing an audio book for that one. Yeah. Um, but well, no, we say read. Yeah. It's, we're all listening to most of these. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so easy to do hmm? audio books. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, great. I'm going to hit that right now. Yeah. If you're driving around 30 minutes, an hour a day, and you're not doing something to improve yourself nowadays, there's really no excuse. Yeah, you can have you can turn your car into a university. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's there's just that's the that's yeah. What Zig Ziglar called it, uh, automobile university, yeah, and that was go. back in the mm-hmm. '60s or '70s. He was like, you can Tapes, put a cassette tape. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I love music. Music's great. Yeah, but at some point, turn the music off and get some real time learning on purpose, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're learning on purpose. Learning to do something. Learning to Achieve your results, your dreams, whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, turn the car into the university. Yeah, my, my neighbor when I went to Virginia Tech um, worked for Pfizer, and we went on a ski trip. Him and I, and and uh, one or two of my roommates, and he had good to great with him, and he put that in, and we listened to it the whole time. And I I remember at first I was like, huh, is this gonna be boring? You know, I was like twenty one, twenty. Um, and I listened to it and I was like, that was awesome. I learned so much and we, you know, we were just driving on a ski trip, but we could have been listening to some random music the whole time and I wouldn't even remember it, but mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I've got, I think I got quite a bit, but I mean, like, so I know when I read a lot of times, just a few things will stick out, you know, like one or two things and I'll think I've absorbed more and then really it's just. But I think this week for me, what really stuck out was um, how much people care about themselves, right? And also um, remembering people's names, which I always say like, oh, I'm terrible at remembering people's names. But that's not really an option, you know, because if you don't remember somebody's name, you know, like they're going to respond really negatively to that. And, you know, the part of the book I liked... uh, quite a bit from the past week's reading was he talking about, you know, Carnegie going to another guy. I forget his name. I think it was like Pullman or Pittman or something, but he was going to another guy and, uh, you forgot, his, forgot name. his name, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that I need to work on. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that. Cause there's another book coming up in two yeah. books that was just about memory. I'm thinking about flipping that in the next book and just going <laughs> out of order <laughs> so, so I could remember the next book. Um, but no, so the guy's name was like Pullman or something. And, uh, you know, they were having this back and forth. And he's like, hey, why don't we become partners instead of working against each other, right? Um, you know, in, this, in the steel industry. And, you know, the guy was like, not really feeling it, whatever. And he's like, oh, what are you going to call this thing? And he's like, Pullman. Like Pullman, you know, whatever. He said the guy's name. He's like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, to him. Oh, that was the Pullman sleeping car. I think. Well, yeah, yeah. It was the, yeah, Pullman. Yeah, it was like yeah. rail cars or something. Rail cars. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, it was great because it's like putting attaching somebody else's name to yeah. something like that, yeah. you know, gives them that sense of like, oh yeah, this is, you know, it's almost like a little power move, but it's also just like respecting somebody else's like work and energy and, you know, what they put into things. So, yeah, no, so that's what I'm reading, but it's, uh, I've been, I tend to go on little like brain tangents too. And I'll start to like apply it to my life. And then I'll take like seven more steps that I didn't read about. And I'll wind up in these like, you know, other areas of thought and introspection. Um, And I wound up this week. uh, I don't know how I made the leap from that to thinking about prayer, but that was the leap I had made. And I made, it was on this circuitous path. So people I'm sure listening will figure out pretretty quickly that I have ADHD. So (laughs) (laughs) like for sure diagnosed you know, ADHD. Um, but I wound up thinking about the power of prayer and I don't really think, I don't really pray for myself. Usually I try not to do that. I try to pray for other people or for things external to myself and just trust, you know, 
yeah. God's plan for me. And, uh, you know, we always do prayer requests, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, does anybody have any prayer requests? And I never really speak up. I do my praying and, and you know, for who I want to and, and all that stuff, but I don't usually do requests. And I made a couple requests this week. Um, it's like, could you pray for me? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get into the specific areas of what it was for, you know, whatever. But I mean, within an hour, that issue that I was having completely flipped and, you know, switched and everything just started coming up like roses. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. So absolutely nothing to do with the book I'm reading, but that was where my thought process went this week. So that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah it's it, probably not any coincidence. I, I was also reading, um, Praying Circles by Mark Batterson. And he talks about what he calls praying circles around your problems or around, you know, things. And um, it, it came from this this uh, um, Jewish man. I'm not sure if he was a priest or something, but it was a few hundred years before Jesus. So it was like after the Old Testament, but before Jesus came. And there was... Um, a really, really bad drought, and he draw he drew a circle, and, and I guess this is in, in some history books um, because it was in between the two, but he drew a circle around where he was standing, and he said, I'm not going to leave this circle until um, until God provides rain. And uh, it's, almost immediately it started uh, 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 um, a little bit of a drizzle, and... Uh, and and he prayed even more fervently for like a, a downpour of of rain, and so anyway, he he got the idea for the book on that, and so it's just kind of a to me it's kind of a mental model to use. It's not to be like too overly mystical or anything like that, but if you imagine yourself praying circles, so like I, I was imagining us and like putting a circle around us and praying for us and, and what we're doing here. Um, and I was just doing that like a week ago. So I think it's kind of funny that you were really focusing on prayer, not to say that that has anything yeah. to do with it, but sometimes coincidences aren't really, uh, coincidences, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, he, he, he provided a lot of cool examples throughout the book, um, about praying, praying circles, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the insights I had this week were, you know, I had so much going on this week then it was really just kind of boiled down to what I already spoke about. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think remembering how much people care about themselves, you know, and remember, and like taking that with you into different aspects of whatever it is that you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, and being more selfless and focusing on others as a huge, you know, payout essentially. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of what I like to do anyway is help people. So that part will be pretty easy. Now I just got to remember the, the names of the people I'm helping. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. Or even just simple stuff like remembering birthdays, you know, and mm -hmm. sending, remembering birthdays and scheduling that out and sending a card. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was something that was mentioned in the, in the book, which was, yeah. you know, I mean, that, when people forget that it's your birthday or willfully ignore it. <laughs> on Facebook when it comes up and you only get like three happy birthdays or whatever, you know, oh. that can be kind of, like, oh. my Facebook friends forgot my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about you, Christopher? Yeah. What are you reading? Uh, well, th yeah, th those, those books I already mentioned. Um, and I started reading, uh, what is it? Power mm -hmm. Moments. Oh. And uh, so that's by Chip and Dan Heath, if you might remember who they are. They wrote um, the book on learning. What was it? Oh, Make It Stick, yeah. which Make It Stick was an awesome book. Yeah, good book. So I was looking for, I, I, I usually read about, or I listen to, but read, uh, you know, five or six books at the same time. And I kind of like in Make It Stick, they talk about interleaving. So you, you, you interleave learning. So you you learn a little bit on one thing and then you switch to another thing and another thing. And that could, the idea that would drive a lot of people crazy, but when you actually do it, um, 
you're not doing it all at the same time, but you know, a certain part of the day you're like, I'm going to listen to this uh, book on prayer. And then later on you're like, I'm going to listen to this book about you know money or whatever. It's just like totally different kind of things. But a lot of times they relate to each other. So in the power of moments, they talked about these like very important, memorable moments that we have and how you can, it's kind of funny cause you guys were talking about, um, uh, creating and building, um, you know, relationships and opportunities for relationships and things like that. What they're talking about is actually intentionally creating memories. And so he used, um, this one school as an example, they, uh, okay. So you know how, when, so like Chris, you went to OU, but when you were in high school, did they do like a signing day? They didn't do that back then, but they surely did. Maybe. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Where you get the hat and you're like, I'm picking OU to. Yeah, it was much more local uh, yeah, than yeah. it is now. But. but it was a big deal, right? It, it felt good to be there, yeah. Yeah. So this school did it for all their students. So everybody has to get accepted to a college, and everybody has their big signing day all in the same. So they invite all the friends, family, everybody. And so it's like, you know, I, I'm graduating, um, and I'm picking, you know, I'm picking Virginia Tech. And like everybody's there and I put on the Virginia Tech sweatshirt or whatever. And it's a big deal, but I'm not going to be playing sports there. So what it got it focused on was the academics and some were playing sports and some weren't, but it, it got everybody excited. And so they bring in everybody else from the school and they would see it. So like an eighth grader is watching somebody as a senior going to Harvard or something. And then that inspires them for something to work toward. And so it was, it was creating this, this m powerful moment that people would remember. And so, um, at one point, some people are like, I, maybe, maybe that's a, that's a waste of time because mm. there's like a hundred students and blah, blah, blah. Maybe it'd be better if we just brought a very inspirational speaker in so we can bring in, you know, Chris Meredith or Rick Brimfield or Derek Larivier as an inspirational speaker instead of wasting our time with, you know, a hundred people doing these, you know, signings that just takes forever. But what people don't understand is like, kind of like you were saying, like remembering people's names, it's like for everybody in a, in one moment to, to remember and, and recognize somebody's accomplishment. It, it just, it just means a lot. And it, the, the time he was also talking about time. And in these moments, time slows down. And you remember that moment. And so I was also reading a book on Einstein. And he's talking about, um, I guess you'd call it the theory of relativity and how time is relative. And it talks about like if you're going really, really, really fast, somebody else is just standing still. Time goes slower for the person that's going fast. Well, I was thinking about in moments, time is relative. Like we're all aging at the same time. But you can remember back to certain times in your life especially like usually first times and it's like that moment you remember and it seems like you're in that moment for much longer but when things get very droll there's no novelty it's just day in day out the same thing over and over and over again time goes by like really fast but it goes slowly when there's something significant happening that you remember and so I was just thinking about all those things and thinking about how we can create more of those moments here. Um, I, I know for one, like since we started recording this, the last week or two has been much more memorable to me than a lot of the weeks that we were meeting over a six year period, which all those weeks combined led to this. So I'm not discounting that, but you remember these kind of moments a lot more. Um, so for example, in a few weeks, if we had... Um, one of the authors of the books come in here, maybe Craig Rochelle or something, you're going to remember that moment because it's much different. And that's going to be the only time that he might be, in, be here. So you would remember that or, you know, Chip and Dan Heath, if they happen to be in Oklahoma city and they're sitting here with us, you're going to remember that moment. And it's going to kind of, time's going to slow down during that time. 
So he also used uh, Disney as an example. And it was kind of funny. He was talking about how if you had to rate every moment, so like the hotel room, if you gave that like a five and then standing in line and trying to keep the kids from, you know, chewing on the handrail <laughs> or whatever, it, it's like, uh, you might rate that a three cause you were in line for two hours, but then, you know, you go to space mountain and that was awesome. And you rate that a nine and then you, you bought the kids some Mickey mouse ears at the end and it was really cute. And, and it was just very memorable as you were leaving, uh, Disney, you know, you rate that moment a 9.5. Um, and so if you averaged all the ratings together, you might get like a 6.5. But he said when they ask people to rate their experience, what they do is they usually remember two moments and it's usually the best two moments. And so they, they remember the Space Mountain and the, the Mickey Mouse ears and they'll be like, yeah, my overall experience was like a nine. Um, and so he was talking about how intentionally, how to intentionally create these like nine out of 10 moments instead of just a bunch of fives and sixes because everybody's gonna remember the, the best moments a lot of times and that's why even people that kind of lean negative, when they remember something, they're usually like, oh man, those are good times, those are good times. Remember when we did this and we remember when we did that. Um, they might be usually negative, but when they're remembering something, they always remember it with fondness, like it was the best time in the world. But even thinking back, because I've got some friends um, from a long time ago that would do that, and, and I remember thinking, well, you were complaining that whole time that we were doing these things that now you're saying was the greatest in the world. So <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, that military is a lot like that. You're going through training or mm -hmm. you're, you're uh, going through really, really hard stuff and you might have some people that hate it. But then years later, like, man, that was awesome. Yeah. We didn't even have any food. <laughs> yeah. It's Football's weird. like that. Yeah. Football's like that. Yeah. Yeah. What position did you play? Uh, offensive tackle. Okay. Cool. And they, they were uh, two days just living on, I mean, being on campus sometimes was terrible. All the stuff you got to do. But then you look back on it and like, man, it was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because of you, you're in it with the team and you're kind of doing everything together. So you remember some of the greatest moments, though. You're right? suffering together. Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. Like being on the moments. field and some, I don't know. What were the two best moments? Just finishing anything together, a struggle. Mm -hmm. Things like just finishing camp. Yeah. Because you've gone through with the you know this terrible thing, you got through it with everybody, and you're celebrating at the end. That's uh, funny you say like that, that because he was talking about the beginning and the end. That's what we remember is the beginning yeah. and the end. Mm -hmm. so, so you want to have a good first moment and a, and a good last moment. Mm. That's good. Yeah like the fellowship you have on like any team really whether it's a football team or you know like a small squad in the military or something that like bond yeah. that you form it's a really tight thing because you're going through that the hardships together mm -hmm. making it through something difficult is a is a really good like bond and team building you know moment for a lot of people yeah. i'll never forget this we had the worst practice one day it was raining but it was hot it was like 100 degrees in rain it was just the worst combination and we were out there, we could not get this play right. And we were running it over and over and over. I mean, a hundred times, it was getting late. We'd already been 30 minutes past ending. It was horrible. But this one guy, he, he was just a goober, goofball, uh, on the offensive line with me. And he just, the coach was screaming at him. He just started, like, you know, doing weird, like, you know, just, <laughs> I was like, did he lose his mind? But it was so funny because it was like, you know, everyone's dying and he's over here making these Looney Tunes yeah. noises at the coach. <laughs> and it was, I just busted out laughing, yeah. you know, and the coach was like, yeah, you're, you're Looney Tunes or whatever. And, but I'll never forget it. I mean, it yeah. made me feel so good yeah, because we're like suffering, but now we're all kind of together and yeah, I don't know. It's so strange to me, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, we had the old, uh, we called it the suck factor, one, two, three, four, cold, hungry, tired, wet. <laughs> if you're not three out of four, you can't complain at all. If you're just like cold and tired or hungry and tired or hungry and cold. But I remember we were, it was raining. We had maybe like two hours of sleep. This is in ranger school in the military. Two hours of sleep. It was raining. 
it was like, I went during the winter. So it was like December getting rained on. Um, and we hadn't eaten like our previous, uh, platoon leader forgot to order. If you forget to correctly source your supplies, they don't give them to you, including food, forgot to order food. So we were hungry and me and a friend of mine had, uh, we didn't have any like responsibilities at the time. Like we were stopped planning our next mission, but we weren't in leadership roles. So we were just kind of sitting up against a tree in this like nasty, miserable situation. Just, just like <laughs> suck factor four. Right. And, uh, I just started talking about like steak and potatoes and he, at first he was like, what the, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, no, it sounds great. It's just like a big old steak, you know? And I just started like digging into him a little bit. And by the end of it, we were just laughing, just laughing, laughing, laughing. Yeah. That's all. That's always. I always remember that because it was just the most miserable experience. But we were just laughing, you know. For, that's funny. Yeah. Something I think of for yeah. uh, for yeah. memories uh-huh. is going to new places to eat, mm-hmm. or when you go on vacation, go always just try to go somewhere new. Yeah. You know that's something I try to do. Think that, you know, just to yeah. just to make the memory. Yeah. yeah, you know, you go to the same place over and over again. It really, yeah, you can't. I don't know which, you know, you know, they all kind of like bleed together. Yeah, mm-hmm. but if you go to new places, you know, you, you get that. yeah. That's yeah. a good point. That's you know, like that's, the first thing that you were saying. Yeah, I just I mean that's what caused me to go. It's called Watch Dogs is the program. Yeah. So dads come up there and they spend the day doing school stuff. But I haven't been in a long time because I've been really busy. But mm-hmm. this meant a lot. My kids just kept bugging me. Mm. And I get up there, and this is where I, I failed. Because I get up there, I've got my, my shirt on, and the librarian who checks us in, she's like, wow, that's an old shirt. We have some new ones if you'd like one. I was just feeling horrible because like, it's been so many years oh. <laughs> that I skipped on this. And the kids really like it when I go up there. Yeah. So I was, you know, focused on trying to help them just get what they wanted, which is they just wanted to show me off to their friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look how big my dad is, you know. <laughs> the kids are all like, "Whoa, he's a tree," you know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, the whole day I was wearing this old shirt because I had not chosen to do what the important, really, what was important for them, which mm-hmm. is that's what it's all about, right? You mm-hmm. tell me how do we win friends and then what we got to do what's important to the other person. Yeah. Then they remember it. So they're always going to remember that. Yeah. I may not remember it as much, but yeah. they will because it's, it was super important to them. And because also they probably remembered the last time from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And my never, son did never forgot it. Cause the last time I went, my son was when he was there in fifth grade. Well, he's now in ninth grade. That was four years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with the, um, the Oreo cookies. I wanted to leave. I wanted to go to Qdoba and get some food because I was starving. But they really wanted me to come out to the playground. So I did that instead of going to eat, which would have been nothing, right? It would have been, you would have forgot about it, right? But instead, I get to go out there and get these Oreos out. Mm-hmm. Made a few of their friends laugh, and they were cracking on me and stuff. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was good. It was good. And just choosing to invest the time there versus the others. Yeah. Important. I think that's a really good like takeaway even for like the epi- like for the week, you know, mm-hmm. just focus on others' needs. Yeah. Maybe take the week and, and focus on others' needs and it'll it'll create a good memory and you'll it's hard to focus on somebody else's needs and not have a good experience, you mm-hmm. know. I feel like so. Yeah. But I know we wanted to keep it to a certain amount of time. I can cut this part out too if we have to, but that's okay. Well, Rick, We're you at got 58 anything? minutes. What else? Uh, you look like you, something's on. Oh, your I was just thinking, you know, like for my kids, it's just time. Yeah, I think it's just time with them. I don't know. I'm sure I read that from a book somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's, to me, it's true. You know, when I spend time with the kids and even like, I think even with people in general, uh, it's very obvious with my children, like the, the impact that it has on them. Um, but I think just, you know, time with people, just take time, you know, to spend with people instead of, you know, for me, Hey, how you doing? You know, I gotta go, mm-hmm. you know, keep walking, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, just stop, you know, say hey, what's going on, you yeah. know, just see what happens. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Seems yeah. to be like a common thread. You know, you were saying make that margin for extra time. Mm-hmm. You were saying making time, mm-hmm. making time for your kids, making time for your neighbors, getting to know, you know, other people's needs and wants and kind of all circles together. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. But, yeah, yeah, you got to spend time with them to figure out how to serve them. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't know that unless you spend some time with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny when you when you think about others, you pray for others. How things happen that you can't really even explain. So when we lived in Virginia, we had gotten married. We were living there for maybe six months. So I think we'd only been married for nine or ten months and um we bought a house and our neighbor she was probably like 94 i think her name was ethel and she lived there alone and then she lived there for 40 50 years so she raised her her daughter there and her husband lived there and he had passed away a while back and all the neighbors would come to her and well not all the neighbors one neighbor or two two neighbors in particular would would bring food to her and you know she was 94 little older lady so she didn't really eat a lot but so they bring her lunch and maybe dinner or something but um she uh emmy really was thinking of her and thinking about what she could do for her and i think for a while maybe she was just just not sure what she could do right and (laughs) one day she just thought about it she's like you know what i think i need to make her some brownies and we were talking about it, and she's like, it seems silly. Um, and I feel like she has, like, probably much greater needs than brownies. Um, but that's the thing I feel like I need to do for her. And she had been spending some time with her going over there and just talking and stuff. And um, So she made brownies for her one day, uh, went over there, and she was, like, when she put it in her hand... Um, it was like maybe some warm tinfoil and brownies and, and she was like cooing. She was like, you know, just so excited about these brownies. And, uh, she was telling, Emmy was telling me just how excited she was. And it just seemed like it really, 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 really made her day. And so later on we were over there and we were helping her with something. And, um, (laughs) I, I forgot why, but we were we were in her kitchen opening some cabinets, and the bottom cabinets, I opened one, and it had all these Betty Crocker brownie boxes in it. I opened another bottom cabinet, and there was more Betty Crocker brownies. Every cabinet on the bottom had brownies, and so for a while, I think she was just buying brownies and putting them there and then forgetting that they were there. But she probably... I don't know, but she probably made brownies for herself, but probably for others for years and years and years and years. Um, And then she had been living by herself for a long time, probably 10 years plus, and might not have had a brownie for 10 years, Mm -hmm. Um, something that she had loved to make before. And then it just happened to be like Emmy was there, felt like she didn't make her brownies, didn't know why. You can't explain it. Because Emmy doesn't make brownies. Like, it's just something she doesn't usually make. So just kind of out of the blue making that. And then, yeah, just, I don't know. It, it shows a lot of things of things coming back around. So, like, when we mm-hmm. do things for people, I, I believe that she did that for people for a long time. Um, Ethel did. And then it, it kind of came back around for her. So, anyway, spend time with people. You, you'll You'll think of things to do that aren't always normal or um might not make sense um but you know in the grand scheme of the universe it made total sense Mm -hmm. so yeah try to make it a nine too yeah (laughs) try to make it a nine out of ten yeah yeah i I think that was a nine out of ten moment for her yeah yeah it's awesome yeah kidding all right so um if you guys have anything else no, I, I think, uh, you know, we probably just, I think, remind everybody to, if you like what you heard, make sure you give us five stars on Spotify. Um, like, if you've seen us somewhere else, if you've seen a clip on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or something, 
It's uh, Arms Link Leadership on Spotify. Yeah. Or really anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're going to be on quite a few platforms. So Yeah, yeah it's going out to iTunes and uh, mm-hmm. Stitcher and uh, a bunch of other ones. Um, but yeah, just like, follow, share, rate, yeah. share. All the good Please. stuff that you hear in most videos that they tell you to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's overly said, but I, I follow a few people on, that I really like. And, you know, I'll be like, man, that was an awesome video. And I'll forget to like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, well, thank you guys for listening today and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Fewer flies next week. Yeah. <laughs> Get him. <'em. laughs>